1: a little bit of help we need to build up the infrastructure because it's also not enough. If if they would give us money, say, hey, build up whatever um, manufacturing sites just to be there in case we need it, it wouldn't help because the moment they would be broke. So what we, for example, ask is that things like supply chain security is included into things like like these tenders.
2: For this week's episode, I sat down with Stefan Denzinger, a director of business development in the life science division of Merck. But more importantly, Denzinger is president of the European Fine Chemicals Group, which is a nonprofit that is also the voice of European fine chemicals manufacturers. Although this group may sound abstract, These are the companies who are vital to getting life-saving drugs like chemotherapies, penicillin and statins to your local pharmacy and hospital. But over the past year, the world has experienced shortages. These shortages hit home for Denzinger when he was forced to go from pharmacy to pharmacy looking for a vital drug to prevent his own mother's breast cancer from returning. The West's reliance on China and India for key ingredients is the reason for shortages and supply chains can be disrupted by quality control issues or even weather. Denzinger argues that Europe and America need to wake up to the threat these shortages could cause in the future and why consumers need to radically rethink the value of medicines they consume. Stay tuned for this fascinating conversation. Stefan, you're very welcome to The Exchange.
1: Good morning, Amy. Thank you.
2: Well, Stefan, I mean, drug shortages really kind of came into focus uh, in the West this year. Uh, There were stories about chemotherapy, penicillin, antidepressants uh, that all experienced shortages. Um, And Stefan, just given your expertise in this area, I thought it would be a good idea because I think a lot of our listeners will have either read about this or maybe even experienced it themselves. But I wondered if you could talk me through drug supply chains and how they work at the moment if they're working well how do they work
1: okay Amy no, no problem um first thing you have to understand about drug supply chains is that they're very very complex um when we see a drug um in a pharmacy it has undergone many many steps um and Every single of these steps is needed to get it there and to get it to a patient. So first of all, to make a drug, you need the active ingredient, uh, the so-called API, uh, which is where the association I represent is uh, very, very active. But you also need uh, the helper product, so-called excipients, But even if you have them, you have to understand to make an active pharmaceutical ingredient. If it's a small molecule that is chemically made, that can be a 15, 20, 25-step synthesis. And if only one of the raw materials you need and the intermediates you need is missing, uh, you will not be able to make uh, the active ingredient and then not the so-called final dosage form. If you look at biologics, there you have a lot of process materials you need, a lot of consumables you need to make it. And if you just imagine, because a lot of people say, "Hey, but for example, proteins—they are all made in Europe—should be no problem at all." But you see, if uh, if you're doing a protein, very often this is uh, done by what we call mammalian cell culture—a mammalian cell culture to grow um, a cell to manufacture. The um, a protein consists of up to 100 diff- uh, different chemicals and if only one of them is missing, you're having a problem again
2: is that what we are seeing basically is that the one ingredient or one or two ingredients were experiencing problems
1: is that it's it's partly that um, which is because these shortages then often have effects on many, many different products. But it's partly also the fact later in the supply chain that due to concentration of supply that may be geographical, that may be to more or less a single supplier, if this concentration leads to um, either the supplier or the error not being able to supply this component, then you're suddenly also having a, uh, a shortage. And, and so those
2: uh, origins, the geographic origins you're talking about, that's really India and China, right? That, that basically they, the minerals and, and, and the kind of the very, the, the, you know, the base ingredients for many of these drugs, that that's the issue, isn't it? That
1: both the base ingredients, but very often also the, the active pharmaceutical ingredient uh, as such. Because about 30 years ago, we decided we don't want to have this um, ugly, uh, wasteful um, chemistry anymore. Instead of making it better, we decided we export it because it happened. And that is, of course, if you look, it's a society thing, but it's, of course, also an industry thing because um, it was cheaper uh, because salaries were much cheaper. Uh, Regulation was uh much easier and therefore it is cheaper again. So a lot of stuff moved to India and China. In China, more the raw materials, India itself is very dependent very often on China because India has a very very strong final dosage form, so truck product industry. Um, but this concentration can be and is one of the reasons of shortages because look for example in the the last couple of years the chinese government in a laudable move tried to make this industry much more environmentally friendly but that for example resulted that when one plant at the pearl river delta polluted the pearl river Mm -hmm. they closed down for several months, all plants in this area.
2: And what did that lead to, Stefan? What was the sort of-
1: Yeah, the including of uh, then, of course, suppliers to either our customers, the, the, truck, the pharmaceutical companies, or intermediates for us. Uh, and even from high quality, top-notch suppliers, but all of these suppliers were closed down for a period of time when uh, as long as the chinese government uh, looked into the thing so suddenly there was a complete disruption and that can be a government decision on environmental affairs for example that can be a natural disaster we had in some um, biologics we had the issue that at the big earthquake in japan uh, some years back the single plant that made a special ingredient that was needed for some protein drugs uh, collapsed. It was completely destroyed because it was in the earthquake area. So in principle, if whenever you have such a concentration in geography, you have an issue. On the other hand, whenever you have concentration on single suppliers, you of course also have an issue because the moment the single supplier has an issue, you complete Uh, supply is gone and there is also the starting point where we ourselves as society have to ask ourselves what do we do because you see when i when i was a young chemist and uh, manufacturing the first thing they they taught me is always have at least a second supplier in europe the system the public health systems are often based on tenders that have the winner takes it all. Meaning, the tender goes, you have whatever for two years, one year, only one supplier. The problem is this works for a couple of years. But then, because some of the companies offering that drug, because they, they couldn't get a tender for a couple of years, they may stop it. And so it's a slow process. In the beginning, it is not a problem because you have many, many different bidders um, and they try the next time. But if you're not succeeding after three, four, five times, suddenly the number of manufacturers is reduced on one hand. And on the other hand, the fact that in Europe, the single criteria is price, of course, also has an effect, because uh, these are big tenders. You, you try to make the cheapest price. That means you go to the cheapest manufacturer um, of your raw materials. Uh, you are maybe not securing supply through diff- through second source, and and things like that. And at one point, you're coming into a situation where A drug is either only coming from one pharmaceutical supplier or all the pharmaceutical suppliers are getting the raw materials, the actives, from one supplier. At the moment, this supplier has one issue, then the whole system is tumbling down.
2: Stefan, if we could talk numbers, that concentration risk that you're talking about, how much of how like how reliant is Europe and let's say America? on China and India for the ingredients that go into statins and, and all sorts of other drugs.
1: Uh, we, we have done um, a survey together with IQBIA uh, to help the European Commission here. And it is also dependent on where you look. If you look in the generic space where a lot of these basic drugs is in, then if you look at all steps of the supply chain, it, it adds up to nearly 80% dependency. On, on and China that, and India. Yeah, and that doesn't mean that uh, 80% is coming from China and India, but you, you see, you try to find critical raw materials, you try to find the active, and so on. And uh, this, of course, is a big problem. You, you have it less on the innovative side, where there is a lot of manufacturing in Europe and the US, but here, you also have once in a while these, these issues because um, if you look at the raw materials need from there, again, this is uh, quite complicated, quite complex. If I think of a subculture media for a protein track, a hundred different ingredients, and you need all of them. And you need all of them in the consistently same quality. The moment one is missing, you have a supply chain issue. And we're making our life even worse, honestly, at the moment.
2: And for 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 Europe, let's say, that is so reliant on India and China, and when there is these kind of issues, they then obviously have drug supply shortages. So, what is Europe doing? What is the European Commission doing about this situation to, to kind of protect this supply chain? Because I know that became quite a big issue during the pandemic about supply chains and, and maybe onshoring or keeping things
1: closer. So Currently, unfortunately, not too much is happening here to real onshore. You have some national governments like the French government that have some lighthouse projects. I think it was big in the press uh, that um, France wants paracetamol production back in in France. Uh, funnily, still the raw materials will be coming from China. Um, there are measures in terms of Stockpiling and things like that, which will be helping, because not all, not always, a shortage is coming from a structural problem like the one we are discussing. Sometimes it's just that um, one manufacturing site has an issue, and you have to cover wh- whatever one or two months. Um, there, that is works. I currently, I don't see the commission really moving the big wheel into a more resilient uh, industry where Europe is less dependent. There will never be, you, you will never go back to a point where there are no dependencies between, um, uh, geographies. I, and I think we don't want to, uh, have that, but, uh, and it's not possible, but what you see at the moment there, there's a lot of pressure from the member states, um, the, the Belgian government, uh, pushes together with a lot of other member states critical uh, medicines act. Um, We have to see where this goes um, because what we feel is really important is that you you need the ability to utilize certain technologies in Europe. And over the years, partly for environmental reasons, uh, we have kind of Removed certain technologies from Europe instead of making them more sustainable, we just exported the problems, so to say. And now we are we are getting that stuff back, and it's very very. Um, it's of course much more expensive to to set up something new, much more sustainable um, than just importing from somewhere where um, the standards are not as high as we have in Europe and as they should be globally because we have only one world. So um, this is stuff we think we have to get and the member state efforts around the Critical uh, Medicines Act might help here, but currently we're still a little bit in a waiting position, except for some measures on member state level.
2: What are the dangers of this, Stefan? If there isn't, if they don't take action, and and as you say, if either you know by some natural disaster or just a high polluting situation, what is the danger for, for for let's say a breast cancer patient or somebody who relies on blood thinners to prevent themselves from having a heart attack? What are the
1: what are the risks for this? The risk is really there uh, is no available medication or not the medication they are used to, and changing a medication can also be, it can be sometimes easy, sometimes it's very difficult. So, um, and, and, and the risk is getting higher and higher because the times where uh, there were no geopolitical significant issues, they seem to be gone, definitely at the moment. So, uh, and, and this is both, of course, a big, big challenge for an individual, um and I can only say I, I was running around for uh, to get to myxophane for my mother and uh, luckily got it at the 10th pharmacy. Which is the uh, breast cancer drug. Which is a breast cancer drug, exactly, which is in very short supply all over Europe and still is. I was just told last week in a pharmacy. Um, but I was lucky. But this is this can be life threatening. If this is not available, on one hand, this is the personal level, of course, very, very bad for the individual, but also on a society level, this is a big issue because, uh, for example, this breast cancer medication um, is used after um, the initial therapy to keep, so to say, the breast cancer away. So funnily by and this was really something where we try to save money all the time finally we as a society are probably spending much more money on this because you see if only one if for one individual breast cancer comes back this is a completely different price tag and if you and if you just think of that economically not on this personal level, which of course is a disaster, but just for the society, the cost is so high. And this is something, um, we should often more often keep in mind. Um, what is the, the total cost of our healthcare system? So by driving down certain costs, do we create other costs? And uh, definitely in in this case, for example, we are probably creating a lot of cost, and, of course, a lot of pain uh, in individual patients.
2: The companies themselves that actually make these generic drugs, they are also, I mean, if you look at the revenue of like somebody like Teva Pharmaceuticals, you know, their their revenue expectations are that they're going to go down and down over the next few years. Some companies have actually just gone under completely because they can't make enough money. But when you look at the, you know, governments within Europe and even in the US, when they talk about healthcare budgets, it doesn't seem like there is an awful lot of money after the pandemic to spend on things like this, to to sort of safeguard supply chains and and make things safer so that you don't run out of of life-saving drugs. Do you see that mindset changing? Do you think something needs to happen for that mindset to change?
1: I think, yes, there is a certain change in mindset because... Uh, partly also because of what I just said. Because, yes, the bu- the budget, they will not be growing. But it's also a question, how do you spend the budget wisely? Yeah? Do you spend the budget, for, for example, for the tamixophane, for the breast cancer drug, and prevent significant additional costs later? Because I think this is, yes, we all know. Uh, money will ne- will always be short. Yeah, uh, we are an aging society and so on, but the question is, how do we spend it wisely? And you see a lot of discussions in healthcare systems was always oh, we need affordable and accessible drugs. I fully agree with that. But what uh, does it help you if it's accessible and affordable but not available and if you look at what an industry you you usually call total cost of ownership it is money wisely spent because you will save it somewhere else and and funnily we you, you will also tackle other problems we, we have in Europe a lot of problems with getting qualified um resources in in hospitals and so on if you if they could concentrate on the stuff we cannot prevent and uh, use prevention measures and, and medication can be prevention measures in the best way uh, we will also um, reduce the burden on the system there so um of course what i'm saying also now is a very simple simplistic a very big simplification but I can only urge people to look at it uh, more holistically, because saving a few bucks here may cost a lot on another place. And I think at the moment we partly have the situation because if uh, if certain drugs are not available at all, this is a a very big burden. And of course a big, big problem for the individual patients. So, Dan, we should never
2: forget. You're talking to the European Commission. What would be the best case scenario for you? What would be the action that would actually help to solve this, this problem over the long term?
1: Yeah. You, you see, it's a little bit of help we need to build up the infrastructure. Because it's also not enough. If If they would give us money, say, hey, build up whatever the manufacturing sites just to be there in case we need it it wouldn't help because the moment they would be broke so what we for example ask is that things like supply chain security is included into things like like these tenders so if and also, certain maybe also certain environmental standards, certain socioeconomic standards uh, that help that, that would help us to invest. Because if it's not, if it's always just price, you look where's the cheapest labor, where are the lowest regulations, and you will have to go there. If you look at where is where, where can you secure, secure supply chain. Where do you keep the standards to maybe keep some more people healthy? Um, That will be an overall cost-benefit, and it will help us to compete. Because for us, that's not only in our DNA, it's also the regulation. And obviously, um, it will not happen for a German, French, Spanish, or an Italian producer that that suddenly, because the Suez uh, Canal is blocked, you you cannot get the stuff to Europe, uh, which enhances supply chain security. Um, If all this is considered in the process of uh, sourcing drugs, I think that helps the industry to help um, the society. Because in in order to be resilient, we must be able to have a certain share. And I don't say uh, you need everything, but you need a certain share, and you need the availability of technologies in Europe. And by that, naturally, first of all, your supply would be safer. And on the other hand, um, I'm very sure the European industry. Uh, would stand up for the challenge and be back producing a lot of these drugs.
2: Well, Stefan, that was fascinating. Thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank you, Amy, for the chance to talk about this very important topic.
2: Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was produced by Oliver Tashlich in London. Subscribe to The Exchange and our sister podcast, The Views Room on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Catch up with our latest views and much more on BreakingViews.com and on X, where our handle is at BreakingViews. I'm Kim Vinell. Join me every morning for a roundup of what's happening at home and around the world. From the front line in Ukraine...
0: Extraordinary how these people adjust
2: and uh, even laugh when you take cover. ...to the heart of U.S. politics. When Trump said that he expected to be arrested, it seems like he was trying to get ahead of the story. We bring you everything you need to know in 10 minutes. For your essential daily briefing, follow
0: Reuters World News wherever you get your podcasts.